Empire podcast this week, we sing because we're winning an interview with Taryn Nedgerton, who's the star of Sing, which is out this week. And we choose live, choose a sequel, choose Ewan McGregor over Piers Morgan, choose a bunch of unbelievable Oscar nominations and, and a train spotting film on the only movie podcast that will not be bringing you alt truth this week. Hello, Pod. I'm Helen O'Hara and welcome to the Empire podcast. Chris is away today. He's hanging out with some celebrities on a film set. Or is he? This week, one reader asked us, and I quote, How do we know for reals that you interview the stars, etc.? You could be making it all up. (laughs) Well, Anon, as you signed yourself, maybe we are really that good at Photoshop and celebrity voices and makeup jobs for our alleged live guests and libel law. But honestly, what's the more likely scenario? This week, I'm joined by two colleagues of such lethal cunning uh, in an intro sentence that will never make sense to me. Uh, First up is a man who has never invented an interview with a celebrity, but who we're pretty sure exaggerated the enthusiasm with which Jennifer Garner once hugged him. It's James Dyer. I I resent that implication. (laughs) It was very enthusiastic. Uh Uh-huh. I like to think. Well, QED, ladies and gentlemen, QED. It Um, was a little awkward. I may have (laughs) held on for a little too long. I'm just saying. (laughs) You could take this chance to apologise to Jennifer Garner. I'm sure she listens. I didn't mean it. (laughs) And then we have a man who is desperate to prove that he exists and escape his existential conundrum. And the only way he can do that is by interviewing celebrities. So if they're also not real, then it's a real problem for John Nugent. (laughs) Hello. How are you doing? Oh, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm the embodiment of fake news. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> my, my alternate truth is that you never saw The Rock and you were never in Hawaii and he never gave you tequila and you made it all up. James, in a post-truth world, we can believe what we want. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's time to make like a White House press secretary and give simple, honest answers to straightforward <laughs> questions. And this week, the question comes from at Dr. Huxton who asks, which performance in a bad film or just undeserving of a nomination would you nominate for an Oscar? Now, by bad film, do we mean literally bad but with one good performance or do we mean just the kind of film that doesn't get nominated for Oscars? Mm, I don't know. I mean, my head immediately went towards like comedies. Okay. You know, because they never get a look in at the Oscars and... It might have been because it was a classic scene in Empire recently, but my my head very much went towards Jim Carrey coming out <laughs> of a, a an rhinoceros naked uh, in Ace Ventura when nature calls. I think that is one of the all-time underrated performances. <laughs> I mean, not just him exiting a vagina of a rhinoceros naked. Obviously, that takes a certain level of acting skill. Point of order, Your Honour. Uh, it wasn't a real rhinoceros. No, no, no. <laughs> but I don't... Oh, well, that's okay. Then. No, but even narratively, even in the film, it's not a real no, rhinoceros. No, yes, yeah. uh, granted. But that doesn't, that doesn't diminish his acting... Uh, prowess uh, <laughs> yeah yeah honestly I think I think Jim Carrey uh, has really been overlooked across his career in the Oscars mm. I think some of his comedy performances are extraordinary and, and you know he's giving it all barrels I mean there are no more barrels left because of all the barrels that he's giving in his in some of his films I'll be honest I really like his understated stuff like you know the Majestic yeah. and, and the Truman Show in particular just when he kind of dials it right down he's uh, actually right. a f- phenomenally a I think he, actor. it's not a bad film so this is again going away from the question but I think Eternal Sunshine he was yeah oh my god I think he really should have at the very least been nominated yeah 
Um, I, I don't know whether it's because you expect the kind of like rubber-faced mugging and, you know, the the gravitas kind of, it's a counterpoint to that. Yeah. Or whether it's just that he's very good. But uh, no, I love his dramatic stuff. Yeah. Weirdly, much more than I like his comedy. Yes, but you hate comedy. I do hate, I'm an enemy of fun. <laughs> it's, um, it's true. I mean, I would be worried personally about, you know, awarding people for, for you know, exiting large mammals because that's a slippery slope to rewarding Grimsby which uh, and there I draw the line I will not have that yeah so yeah but I take the point I think I think you're right I would personally think that uh, that the mask is the kind of performance Mm. that should that should absolutely be up there I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say I see it's in bad movies so I can't say Alan Rickman in Die Hard because Die Hard is obviously the greatest action film ever made so I'm gonna say Alan Rickman in Robin Hood Prince of Thieves which is by any standard a bad film it's definitely a bad film Uh, and he is magnificent in it yeah he is Um, um, I think he's amazing. he's sort of um, he's elevated more by the fact that Kevin Costner is so bad <laughs> in that film. I mean, when you're acting against someone who can't decide which accent uh, to, to oh, fall on, yeah. then but that bad performance gave Carrie Elwes a great line in Robin Hood Men in Tights. Unlike some other Robin Hoods, at least I can speak with an English accent. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So also it enabled Brian Blessed to go God and King Richard. And Actually, Brian Blessed in Flash Gordon. Now that. Hey. Hey, Gordon's live. That would be, you know. Yeah, imagine I mean, that Oscar speech. Okay. Wow. <laughs> the, the reverberations would still be yeah, ringing right. around the world. Do you remember back in, I want to say, like 2001, 2003, 2000, something like that, about 2002, 2003, uh, we did a poll on the website to see which uh, Hollywood celebrity uh, our readers <laughs> most thought resembled God. And they <laughs> almost unanimously responded with Brian Blessed. And he, bless his little cotton socks, even gave us a response. Uh, and he wrote to us to say that he was very privileged uh, to be the embodiment of the Almighty on Earth. <laughs> this, is, this is the thing that actually happened. I mean, he actually is, so yeah. that's that's fair. That's 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 okay. Yes. Tim Roth in Planet of the Apes. Tim really Roth. good, in what, genuinely really good as an angry chimp. I think he had a different name. In the in the Tim Burton. Yeah, yeah, he's really good in it. Like, it's, I mean, the film is almost unwatchable, but he is really good in that film. Okay. I've scrubbed the memory of that film out of my mind. The only thing I can remember is the the epilogue at the end where they land back on Earth and there's apes yeah. in like police costumes. Which, you know. Do you know what? I actually went to the to the um, novel adaptation of that in a bookstore and picked it up, trying to figure out what the heck happened at the end. And yes. they just left that ending off completely. It's not in the novelization. Really? Yeah. So it was obviously a, like a last minute idea that somebody came up with, and it's yeah. just it's the worst. Um, a film undeserving of a nomination is patently "She's the Man" with Amanda Bynes, but I think she's great in it. She's so charming. If that was like a sort of serious Oscar film, she would 100 percent have been nominated. She's that's the sort of the riff on Twelfth Night, where she pretends to be her own twin brother to go to school because she really wants to study soccer with Channing Tatum. Um, and, uh, and and basically in this version of reality, you can't really play, I, I'm putting it in air quotes here because I'm in the UK, soccer, football, right. without being able to bicycle kick over your head. Like that's like that's, an essential skill that everybody needs to have. That's my understanding of the sport, yeah. Right, yeah. so, so she, that's her big thing that she has to learn how to bicycle kick over her head and they have like a whole training montage where he's teaching her to do that. It's unbelievably ridiculous, but I kind of love it. I've not seen She's the Man, but I quite like to you now. That sounds brilliant. <laughs> I haven't either. Um, I also like uh, the guy in that new film who plays the uh, the leader in, uh, I think it's called The End of the World, and, uh, you know, the, the fascist dictator who takes over and it's a whole thing. He's very compelling, a little two-dimensional. 
Yeah. I don't think anyone really buys that, though, do you? I think we better stop there before we get to Hashtag politics. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> um, so if you want to get your question read out on the Empire podcast and treated with exactly this amount of analysis and insight, uh, you can uh, put it on Twitter. We are at Empire Magazine, and you'll need the hashtag Empire Podcast. We are on Facebook at Empire Magazine again, and uh, you can email us at podcast at empireonline.com. But enough of these non-famous voices. I think it's time for a guest. And this week we're joined by Taron Edgerton, star of Kingsman, Eddie the Eagle, and now Sing, wherein he plays a gorilla with the voice of an angel, um, or at least the voice of a Kingsman. He was speaking to Chris. Enjoy. Delighted to be joined on the Emperor podcast by the star of Sing, Mr. Taron Edgerton. How are you, sir? I, I am all the better for seeing you, my friend. It's oh, lovely, come lovely, on. Lovely to see you. Oh, you know exactly what to say. Just to butter me up right at the beginning of the interview. I do, I do. I know you too well, clearly. Then it's going to be soft questions <laughs> for the next 20 minutes. Yeah, that's the hope. That was the plan. What first attracted you to the project? That's No, I'm not going to start with that. That's that's a nonsense question. <laughs> it is, it is. But um, one that I've, I've had a lot today. Anyway. Yeah. What other questions have you had a lot? So what other questions have I had a lot? Do you know what? People are... Gen- They've been great today. Lots of innovative, kind of very lovely, uh, lovely questions. Oh, shit. Really I've got nothing. You've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> we're chat. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, how have you been? What have you been up to? What have you been doing? Yeah, well, I mean, so, I guess last year, I mean, I saw you on the set of Kingsman 2. Yeah. That was the last time I saw you. Yeah. Uh, since then, what have I done? Um, I had a sort of summer of enjoying myself okay. after that, or what, what was left of the summer. Uh, and then some... Kingsman pickups, uh, lots of promoting this towards the end of the year, and I'm now in pre-production for Robin Hood. We start shooting next week. Next week? Yes. Okay, so uh, you okay? You proficient with a bow and arrow? I'm good with a bow and arrow, yes. I'm very. I, I'm getting there. Um, horse riding is proving something more of a challenge, but I'm sure I'll get there as well. <laughs> uh, but um, it's, it's really, really fun, and it's shaping up brilliantly. Otto is an incredible... A really quite incredible man, and yeah. the cast is awesome. It's going to be fun, I think. So this is not a swashbuckling, it's not Errol Flynn? It's not, no. Um, it's not. It's very much a kind of revisionist, reimagining kind of, and many other words with more syllables than necessary. <laughs> um, um, uh, no, it's kind of intended to feel very contemporary and and kind of modern, whilst also being set at, at, you know, at the, in that kind of medieval world. But the costumes are all very, they, they, yeah, they're kind of recognisable as being oldie-worldy, but they're also, you know, there's also like, there's jogging bottoms in there. And, you know, oh, you okay. see, it's kind of, it's cool. It's a sort of mismatch yeah. thing. It's going to be really cool. I think it's quite a cool cinematic language we've kind of developed for it. All right. Obviously, we're not here to talk about Robin Hood. No, but, sorry. Yes, of course. That's but, completely jumping the gun. No, no, it's fine. The thing it's yet. fine. It's fine. Next time you're in, when you're in for Robin Hood, we'll talk about your next project. Yes, exactly. Beyond that. We'll talk about uh, in the bank then. <laughs> precisely. So, but here's one thing I do want to know. So you're, you're about to start. It's your first day. Do you know, is it a tough day? Is it a dialogue day? Is it a, an action day? Yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you prepped? Are you ready? I'm ready. My first day is a day of me and Jamie Foxx being kind of bromantic and bountiful. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Have you done the bromance chemistry Test test with him, yeah. What that with that very well known test in cinema? Yeah, well, I've done it. I've done it. We've done it, and we 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 passed. Uh, no, I think we did a rehearsal yesterday that went really well. It's very exciting. It's going to be yeah. fun. Anyway, uh, on to amazing. sing, sing, yes. sing. That's what we're here to talk about. Have you seen uh, it? Yes. Did you so like it? Two months ago, loved it. Good, Fantastic. Good, good, good. We had Garth Jennings in on the podcast last week, yeah, or yesterday by the time we're doing this, and uh, he was actually on the podcast the whole thing for the full, full hour. He was oh, part nice. of the, the podcast team. During that time, he told us an amazing story about how when he first 
went into the recording booth with Tori Kelly. He took his jumper off and he proceeded to take his entire T-shirt off as well by accident. Oh, no. So therefore he was left bare-chested and directing this young lady. In front of the ever-so-cool yeah. soul-singing phenomenon <laughs> that is Tori Kelly. That's this, a real In the clanger. semi-nude, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he didn't like that? do that for me oh, I would man. have loved it <laughs> He looks like he's been in the gym uh, No he didn't do that for me No he Well I think and, You know Garth was saying He looks like someone Who's walked past the gym oh, bless him. <laughs> He's so wonderful He's kind of Yeah Self-deprecating in the extreme He was he, He's been amazing on this And obviously you've met him You've had him on the podcast Yeah He's the most kind of I mean, effervescent is the word I would use to describe Garth. He's kind of full of life, isn't he? And mm. um, and fun. And very quick. Very as well. quick yeah. and witty and has a great sense for what is funny. Kind of perfect to helm a, a kid's animated movie about singing animals. So what's that experience like for you, the experience of going into a booth? Because I assume this is this followed the standard animated movie procedure of... I'm in a movie with Reese Witherspoon and Matthew McConaughey and I'm not going to see them. I've never met them. Ever. Uh, yes, exactly. No, you're quite right. It was exactly like that. We all met and came together for the first time to promote it at the premiere uh, at TIFF uh, yeah. in September at the Toronto Film Festival. Um, and it was kind of incredibly surreal because you spend these sort of hours in isolation recording these things separately. But in a way... Uh, there's a kind of fun and a kind of magic to it because you perform your own small cog in the machine that is the movie and then you get to see it all come together. Um, and it's kind of like a big sort of a big singing Christmas present. So you play Johnny. I do, in this, I do. A singing gorilla. Now, I don't no think I've seen too many of those in, in no, movies before. No, no, no. We're pushing boundaries. We're, this, is, <laughs> this is innovative territory. Uh, yeah, so I play um, kind of one of the... It's largely set in an... In an uh, a kind of undisclosed American, you know, city. Which you, you don't know exactly where, I don't think, unless that's escaped me. Um, and I play uh, a, br- a young British teenage gorilla whose dad is a a, a bank robber played by yeah. Peter Serafinowicz. Yeah. Um, and basically, Johnny has this kind of secret passion for singing that he's hidden from his dad. And, he, and his dad is trying to get him to be the getaway driver for his gang. Um, and Johnny, Johnny's just not interested and wants to pursue this, this creative passion of his and uh, it's his commitment both to the singing competition organised by Matthew McConaughey's character and um, and what, what is required of him as the getaway driver for the gang that leads to problems because they start mm. to conflict I, I, I found that, uh, that storyline very interesting it's a fun storyline it's right? a fun storyline and it's, it's intriguing because this is obviously an animated movie it's mm. aimed at families the film is more realistic obviously yes uh, it doesn't work out Nicely for everybody no, inf- it involved. No. But I find it interesting that one of the main characters in this movie is actively perpetrating bank robberies. I know. I mean, trying not to. Yes, but exactly. Still yeah. doing it. Yeah. That was very interesting to me. Yeah. And also, I think, you know, I think there's something about that. It's actually very, very, very relevant. That And something that I think a lot of young people will identify with that feeling of not necessarily being completely aligned with your parents yeah. and what they want you to do versus what your calling is as it were and what you know your your heart tells you you should do so um it's kind of good i think it's a good it's a good it's a good message for children yeah absolutely. without getting without getting too worthy about it the message for children is if peter serafinovich asks you to rob a bank don't do don't, it don't do it yeah quite right and i've heard that happens a lot <laughs> he does go up to people and just go oi yeah oi do it get in the van did you uh, did you act with him at all no i've never met him You've never met Peter Serafinovich? I know, it's a weird old process. Um, I've never met him, and I guess, you know, because he's, I, uh, you know, a supporting role, he hasn't been out on the sort of 
you know the the, the junket treadmill yeah, with yeah, us. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm sure I would have done. Um, I'd love to. I'd love to meet him. I'm a, a big fan of his. You know, prior prior to this. So. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, I, I just assume that whenever you make it in the film industry, that uh, it's like the Freemasons. Yeah, exactly. And Everybody, you all meet each other. You all yeah. you all hang in a room. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> no, no, no. I presume you've met him. I've met him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's. I think that you're. You, yeah, you're the you're the Freemason. I would imagine. <laughs> I'm, not. I'm like the Kevin Bacon. <laughs> I'm, I'm at the centre Six degrees of, of Kevin Bacon yeah. you are, You're at the centre Of the six degrees sure. Yeah It's just me And uh, I'm the nexus Of the film universe <laughs> And everything spirals out From me yeah. But enough about my ego <laughs> Yeah I know Wow Whoa there That was an insight Into the mind Of Chris Hewitt Exclusive <laughs> Listen I'm a humble guy I've just, got, I've, so. I've just got a lot To be humble about <laughs> uh, So The singing in this Was that Daunting I mean this is weird because I imagine you recorded this before you did Eddie the Eagle with That's the soundtrack. Yes, I, uh, along it would have been a similar time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we now know that you can sing. Right. Yeah. Uh, it you wasn't. Do, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that you were hiding your light under a bushel necessarily, but this must have been a very, very different situation for you. Well, yeah, I did. I mean, I did that credit song with Hugh for Eddie the Eagle. Yeah. Um, which was a kind of an Easter egg and something that you know when Matthew asked about doing it, I said, "Great," but I don't really, I don't want to shout it from the rooftops I think it's more fun as an easter egg you know yeah. um, with this there's no escaping it the movie is called Sing so yeah I guess this is more of a uh, kind of a, uh, yeah a revelation of the fact that I enjoy singing whether I you know whether I've passed the test is, to, is I guess to be decided but um, yeah it's what, it is something I've always loved I think there is a culture of singing in Wales or there certainly was uh, during my growing up um, and I always was involved in like amateur musicals and things and then at when I was at drama school in your third year, when you do performances for agents and casting directors and the general public, every person is sort of given their big role, their meaty role, and then you play supporting roles for the rest of the year. And my meaty role was the lead in the musical. So I've, I've always kind of done it. Oh, right. Okay. But I've never, um, frankly, I've never been paid to do it. So this, so this, you know, <laughs> uh, this, is, this is a new experience, but one I've enjoyed immensely. And like, I really have some great... Uh, snatches of songs to play uh, uh, to play with and then my big number at the end is a great you have a big number at the end which uh, in fairness Garth gave away in the podcast last week oh, okay so fine it's I'm still standing by Elton John we could talk about that yeah. <laughs> and it's on the soundtrack which is out now available from all good record stores <laughs> sorry that was that, they don't exist do they out now available on iTunes there are some good Spotify. record stores the record stores still exist oh yeah no I'm, I collect vinyl yeah. so I'm aware of oh, them oh do you I, yes I do yeah. okay I just got a vinyl player for, for Christmas nice I got really? one for someone for Christmas oh really yeah what what did you get I got my wife bought me a, uh, a it's <laughs> I think it's pronounced Teak or Tiak. Oh, this may be slightly too obscure. Yeah. And, and she went to a, a, an audio store near where we live and she said, I want to buy something good for my husband. God knows why. Uh, and, uh, and they went, here, this is, this is very good. Please now give us money. Uh, it's really, really good. It's like a proper hardcore thing. And what was the first record you played on it? First record I played on it was Leon Bridges. Lovely. His, his album, Coming Home. Lovely. Lovely. You know, lovely, that, you lovely. know that record? Huh? You know that record? I know. There's what, there's what, is there a song called Shine? Or there's, there's, a, a, there's about fifth on. I know yeah, that. Yeah, you Shine on. Things. Shine on. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. a lovely song. Yeah. Yes, I know yeah. that. I can't. It's I haven't, good. I haven't listened to it. It's a good record. What are you listening to at the moment? What am I listening to at the moment? Uh, I'm quite into my hip hop at the moment. So Run the Jewels, um, Tribe Called Quest. Okay. Uh, J Cole. Yeah. Um, and then I'm kind of always flicking back to, to you know, to the classic stuff. Otis Redding, Sam Cooke, Drifters, okay. David Bowie, that kind of thing. Elton John. Elton John I'm a big fan of Elton John as well of course of course of course Elton John uh, and you're singing Elton John in this movie I'm Still Standing yes classic karaoke track uh -huh. was it difficult to get the grips with uh, uh, yeah I mean it's quite a big scene 
Um, you know, it's not it's not one you can sort of rest on your laurels with. It's it you sort of you've got to go for it, and particularly yeah. in the context of the film, yeah, uh, and the point at which he sings it in the movie, yeah, it's the moment to really go for it. You know, so it, um, yeah. Having never, having not, you know, really sang in a recording studio before, other than that credit song for Eddie the Eagle, it was quite nerve wracking. And there's that, you know, with the first sort of half an hour, you're constantly terrified your voice is going to crack and it's going to be horrifically <laughs> embarrassing for everybody. But um, thankfully, that did not happen. Um, and and it's kind of, it, I'm I'm very proud of it actually. It, it sounds okay, I think. Have you met Elton John? I have. Yes, a couple of times. Yeah. Uh... You're being very, you're being very Machiavellian here. I know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> No, I'm trying to tiptoe around this without you, giving I don't, without I think, I think it's too late for that, Chris. You've it's tried tiptoeing and you've stuck your big welly in it. Elton John is in Kingsman too. Yes, he is. <laughs> How was that? How was that experience? It was great, yeah. And um, as, you, as, you, as you quite rightly say, I think like most people, I mean, he's a real, he's, he was a real icon for me growing up and someone who I absolutely love and someone whose songs I can, um, I mean, lots of them recite off by heart, I think. Uh and he was an absolute delight. He's a very friendly guy and he's great. He's absolutely amazing in the movie. So he really went for it. Um, yeah, he's I'm cool. Intrigued. Super cool guy. I'm very intrigued. Uh, he's a strange replacement for Harry Hart. He is a strange <laughs> replacement for Harry Hart. You're quite right. Said. You're also playing dumb. I know you know more than... <laughs> you, you, you're, you've got the inside scoop on Kingsman. Listen, I know. I'm sure we both signed stuff that we cannot... <laughs> that we, that people will kill us. Non- and, and NDAs directly from uh, yeah. Mr. Vaughan. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, it's a, a terrifying situation. But yeah. uh, when you saw Elton John, did you tell him that you'd, you'd sung this song that you were doing... Uh, well, he I, I, he so I had to sign it off, so I think he knew. Uh, well, David okay. cer- certainly knew. I think. Garth told us an amazing story about how David's office was the most fragrant-smelling place he'd ever been to. Yeah, I life. can well believe it. I can. Well, I there, can there are a couple yeah. of immaculately turned out guys. Those two. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, I'm, I can. I can well believe it. Has it been tough? I mean, when you're thrust into the spotlight the way you were mm. with a movie like Kingsman, which yeah. was a huge hit around the world, has it been tough? Frankly, not becoming a giant arsehole. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that is a re- there's a there's a compliment in there, Chris. There is a compliment. Um, uh, I, I, no, no, actually, I don't think so. I think uh, I, it has never felt like a chat. I don't know. I don't know. I've got to, you know. I I I, re- I I know the things that are important to me in life, and I know who is important to me in life, and the things that make me very happy, and they aren't those things aren't glitzy parties till 5am in LA. Yeah. They're fun. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> they are really fun. But um, I sort of, short bursts of them. And then I like to go home and be with the people that I, God, I sound, do I sound worthy and earnest? I think I do a little bit. I don't, I, no, I, it hasn't been hard to be sucked into the world of it all too much. But I don't think anyone is. I think people yeah. have this perception of like this showbiz world. Like you say, like yeah. the Freemasons that you get initiated yeah, into. precisely. But it's not. We all go home <laughs> and we're all hanging out with our families <laughs> and our friends. You know, we're not all, it's not... You know, I know. I think it's like John Wick. It's like there's a subterranean world where there's you just descend through like level, a, a subculture of, yeah. of people who've all been on the front of Hello, yeah, all partying, and when everyone else is in bed. It's Peter Serafinovich. Yeah, Peter Serafinovich is yeah. there. He runs Tara it all. Legerton because they've been in a film together. <laughs> and that's precisely it. But it, it is interesting. I mean, not just the stuff that you've done, but the stuff that you haven't done, uh, because you've been you've been choosy uh, in a way. I mean, I, I know you've flirted with giant blockbusters and yeah and haven't gone for them or yeah no uh, yeah and that's um but then you know there are things that you know like i'm about to embark on this 
this new version of Robin Hood and mm. my dearest wish is that it be a big blockbuster. That's what everyone's hoping yeah. for it. But for whatever reason, I can't really quantify why I haven't decided to pursue or why I've turned down certain things. But it, by and large, it's been because it's been a very, uh, a very, a d- very instinctive decision. That something, whatever the reason, has just been, no, that's not right for now. I don't believe that, you know. And it's largely about what I think will make me happy. And some things I've just thought, wow, that would be so much fun. But I also think there'll be a lot that comes with it that I will really not enjoy. And for that reason, I've just decided to pass. And buy, and actually, I haven't really regretted it yet. There hasn't been anything that's really, I've then seen and gone, wow, mm. you know. Um, there's been plenty of things that I've desperately tried to get and haven't, that, I, that have, you know. I mean, that's just, but that is the name of the game. You've got, you can't really, you can't really have regrets because you can't really have regrets and you can't read blogs. <laughs> Never read the comments. Yeah. Never read <laughs> Never the Never read the comments. It's a bad thing to do. Um, yeah. All right, Taryn, it's been a pleasure. I'll let you go off uh, back to your final collection, back to the hip-hop. <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers, Cheers man. Chris. Thanks very much. Thank you. Typical Chris. He leaves us, but he can't quite leave us. Ah. Uh, okay, time now for some lovely movie news, which will be an escape from the fire and brimstone of real news, <laughs> we hope. Um, what was the big story this week? Well, there were several, right? Uh Shall we, Should we start with really small things? Let's start with the small things. Let's start with the smallest thing of all. Jacob Tremblay of Room <laughs> has signed up to star in The Predator. He is The Predator. We hope so. No, How old is he now? He's perhaps 10. I think, yeah, he's about 10, maybe 11. Um, but in our hearts, he'll always be a cute little five-year-old. I, I don't know. I just, yeah, that's a... that's a, that's a. a. It's the youngest they've ever gone with this franchise, isn't it? I don't remember any children. That was a proper what-the-headline spot, wasn't it? You're like, hmm? What? Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Do you think it will just be Predator in a room, locked in a room with Jacob Tremblay <laughs> yeah. for like two for hours? many years. My yeah. money's on the kid. Yeah. Honestly, he'd be great. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really glad to see he's getting work in high-profile films, and I hope it's a good part. Mm. Um, he was phenomenally talented, and also his uh, his photos from the sort of the Oscar world, mm. the, the red carpets and everything, were just the most charming. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see he's still working uh, working hard in Hollywood. That's good. Also, Thomas Jane has signed up for Predator as well. Um, don't know much about his part either. Do you? No, not a thing. But. Um, I don't know. I liked him in Deep Blue Sea. I quite like him fighting man-eating beasties. So, you know, could work. Yay. More casting, please. I really want to see that film. I'm fascinated by it. Absolutely fascinated. I mean, obviously terrified, but equally fascinated by it. Why, just because it's Shane Black coming yeah, back? Yeah, because it's and- Shane Black and it's Predator and these are two amazing things and they're back together again and this is exciting to me. Um, I- I'm watching it in that kind of slow motion, you know, where two cars are heading towards each other. Is this going to be an amazing near miss or is it going to be a huge fatality? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited to find out. Maybe it's going to be like in uh, in Fast 7 where they just crash into each other but then they get out and they keep fighting and it's awesome. But I think that's almost certainly what will happen <laughs> and the Predator will pull an iron bar out of the sort of wheel well yes. and it'll get... Uh, yeah. I'm good. still excited about the fact that it, you remember a little while back Shane Black did a, a podcast Q&A with us and he revealed the, the character name mm. from the film and it's such a good name Quinn McKenna <laughs> Quinn McKenna it's, I mean that's just a beautiful action movie name isn't I mean it? it's no stack of Pentecost but it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty good Quinn McKenna Helen what country is it where you like when you're choosing children's names you have to pick from a 
basically a list, like a set list. There is a set list of approved names. You can't deviate from it. This is there is this is a thing. I've not just made this up. It's not some weird fascist dystopia that I've invented. I'm fairly certain it's like Germany or something. I think it might be. I think in France there are certain names they just won't let you have. And we know somebody who was turned away, whose parents were turned away in I think Canada when they tried to call her Stick. (laughs) <laughs> well, that's just good sense. And that was, ju- and they were told to go away and sober up and come was back this, in the morning was this with a another name. Thing? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I think it does happen okay. sometimes. Well, my point is, we should set up a country where you can only use action hero names, ah. and you have to pick from a list, like a name generator. You can pick a first name, you can pick a last name, and they have to be like Jake Bullet. <laughs> Johnny Utah, yeah. Stacker Utah, exactly and Johnny Pentacles. Exactly that. Okay, this could, this could work. You yeah. know, um, we were speaking of monsters. Uh, Michael Doherty has signed up to direct Godzilla Two. So this is obviously the follow up to the Gareth Edwards mm. film, and uh, and he is now on board. So uh, the deal originally was for Doherty to co-write, but he's now apparently going to be overseeing it as well. He's the guy who made Krampus, which we're quite big fans of. Oh, Krampus here. is great. So, um, big, big step up in scale for him, though. Yeah. Big step. I mean, it's it's exciting. I think I'm more excited about Godzilla versus King Kong, which is, I think, 2020. I think that, that comes really? up after. Yeah, come on. It's like... Really? It's like... Uh, I mean, we all remember how... You know, Aliens versus Predator was so great. So there's no just, reason to believe this one. My be. whole thing with this is just that King Kong doesn't stand a chance. I mean, it's just he is toast before he gets even within a hundred feet. I mean, literally toast. He can literally be, he toast. Can be roast. He will be incinerated with radioactive breath. I mean, it's. I was going to say a monkey. He's not a monkey. He's an ape. But I'm going to call him a monkey. He's How a dare monkey. you? How dare <laughs> the you? The librarian. The librarian would, be very would upset. not be happy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, there's also uh, news about another quite big film this week. Uh, Star Wars Episode Eight now has a subtitle: "The Last Jedi." Yeah. Yes. So, tell me more. Well, I mean, I mean, well, that's, that's pretty much the news, isn't it? It's if the you... definite article followed by a kind of temporal qualifier and then a noun, like an important <laughs> noun that we've heard before. I mean, it's all very exciting. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 yeah, I am actually the worst. Uh, this was a, this, I left the office early that day. <laughs> and me and John were talking on text and stuff, and I was like, "Oh, can we do this? We got to get this done." He was like, "Yeah, I'm just writing up a story on the new Star Wars title." I was like, "The what?" <laughs> I was like, "Leave the office for ten minutes, and the world like ends." Um, so exciting! It is exciting. Now, this was this is a phrase that was used in the crawl last time to refer to Luke Skywalker. Yes, it was. So but, that would be the obvious. Yeah, Yoda but of course mentions Luke as the Last Jedi as well. I think. Yeah. The last of the Jedi. The last of the Jedi. Yeah. yeah. But obviously Jedi is also the plural. That's right. So it could refer to Ray and Luke, or Ray and Luke and all their happy friends. Now, what we really need here is an official announcement in Spain or France <laughs> of the name. I'm not kidding. Because uh, it'll give you... But then, yeah, I suppose that's... Because it will either be El Último Jedi, <laughs> La Última Jedi, or Los Últimos Jedi. <laughs> And once we have that, then we know. Wow. Then we know. This is linguistic geekery on a level I've never encountered before. Thank you. I That's try. amazing. But maybe, maybe as, because Pablo Hidalgo, the keeper of the Holocron, has a penchant for fucking with people. And he, I mean, you see the stuff that he was tweeting afterwards, like he was tweeting comics and all sorts of stuff that clearly had nothing to do with anything. But um, he, I suspect, it wouldn't be beyond him to, to purposely misdirect with the foreign language title. 
True, true. But that's why I'm waiting for an official announcement. Yeah. Like in, in Spain at the moment, they're calling it El, El Último Jedi, but I yeah. don't think it's coming from Disney themselves yeah. or Lucasfilm themselves. So, but so yeah. It's. I mean, it's exciting. It's where we knew it was going, isn't it? I mean, it's like you've got proto-Jedi, you've got old-school Jedi. There was clearly going to be some Jedi-ness-ness yeah. going on. The last Jedi-ness-ness. And then, and then I just don't know what this film's about. It's killing me. <laughs> it's actually killing me. Well, it's about Luke Skywalker <laughs> and General Leia and, you know, Ray and Finn and Poe. Probably a love story there somewhere. <laughs> Let's go with Finn and Poe. Um, you know, it's going to be good. I mean, it is just... I mean, I can't think of anything else where the title gets you this excited. Like, I changed my wallpaper to the logo of the film. I mean, yeah. that's just... It's amazing the power, isn't it? Like, yeah. the, the Lucasfilm press release was literally, like, two paragraphs, yeah. and one of them was just information we already knew, like, yeah. you know, it's directed by Ryan Johnson, it's produced by Kathleen Kennedy, and the world exploded, you know, over this one little press release. Every every Star Wars announcement is just a massive intergalactic mic drop. <laughs> they just walk in and go, the last Jedi, boom, we're out. Yeah. And you're just yeah. like, oh my God, give me Did more. you see uh, Ryan Johnson's Instagram feeds the other day? He put up a photo from his editing suite and it had... Uh, the crawl, yeah. the beginning had, of the crawl. They had the, yeah. crawl yeah. the crawl with The Last Jedi on episode eight, The Last Jedi. Yeah. And, you know, that little sort of behind the scenes goodness, it just sends shivers down your I spine. Know. It just, you just think, scroll up, scroll up. You want to yeah. hold your thumb over it like it's a live <laughs> picture on your iPhone to make it animate. That's what you want. Yeah, that's going to happen, James. Yeah. That'll definitely work. I just, oh. Can we not joke about worlds exploding, please? It's a little too close to the bone. Um, the. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's it's exciting. And what do we think about the red title? Does that have a meaning? Apparently that was the case for G- Return of the Jedi. Yes, Jedi was red. As well. Uh, we can't call it Jedi anymore. It's confusing. Uh, that's Oh my God, yeah. that hadn't crossed my mind there as you well. Go. You can't yeah. call Jedi Jedi anymore. Yeah. Well, you can, you can, we could call The Last Jedi last... But that just sounds silly. It Call it the. Silly. Oh no, this is not good. Right now, that's a whole new wrinkle. You've turned um, your back no, on this. No, that's it. I'm done. Well, because like title words, so obviously, uh, yeah, because Empire is, is traditionally white, isn't it? The logo for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah, you're right. Jedi's Jedi's red. This mm, interesting. What do the colours mean? What could it mean? Nothing. I like the theory that this is a sentence. These three titles. So uh, yeah. the, Force the Force Awakens, awakens the, the Last, last Jedi, Jedi, and then Episode Nine with a nice cup of hot chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. I don't know. It's, I, well, it amused me. Well, but what? You. But but what does it mean? Because if this, if if so, we we put an article on the website about we did. you know some theories. speculating. I mean, there, there's a, there's an element of finality to this title, which suggests that there will be no more Jedi in future Star Wars movies, and there will be a Star Wars movie every year for ever. So I think, what 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 does it mean for the franchise? I think it. I don't think it's necessarily a kind of a, a, a forward-looking thing. I think yeah. it could be he is the last Jedi, as he's been referred to in the past, and they have mm. now found him. They have found the last Jedi, or she is a new Jedi. So then, and he dies at some point. Spoiler, and she becomes the could last be Jedi. Mm. But then she can make you know she could train other Jedis there could be other Jedis that come later yeah. so you know so yeah, yeah it could be I think it's backward looking as well like he is currently the last Jedi but that doesn't mean there will be no more Jedi yeah. but of course she will have to do some pretty sharp persuasion presumably to get him to train her given the disaster yes. last time he trained somebody and yeah. that guy murdered everybody including his best bud hello yes. I mean at least he, he you know remained like really well quaffed but like apart from that he's like thoroughly bad now so that's worrying because remember Yoda was once the last Jedi for a brief period after Obi-Wan Kenobi died yes so you know 
There have been other Last Jedi. I mean, there was a joke on Twitter going around that episode nine would be subtitled, oh, wait, there's some more Jedi. <laughs> no, it'll be episode nine. There is another. There we go. <laughs> Fingers crossed. And um, we yeah. should also probably um, get to the big, big news of the week, shouldn't we? Which is the, well, two big things. There's a, there's a new Empire, right? Which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm. Uh, but also the Oscar nominations were announced. And yes. uh, my favourite, La La Land, got 14 nominations, which a- a- equals the re- record held by All About Eve and Titanic. Hot on its heels were Arrival and Moonlight, which both had six. Um, and uh, there are, you know, a, a fair fair spread down the list. You've got Hacksaw Ridge with, was that three? Um, Hidden Figures, three as well. Fences did quite well. So, what do we think about this shower of... I'm sorry, uh, what do we think about this list? I, well, uh, you know, I absolutely adore La La Land. I, I've seen it twice now, so... Um, and I liked it more the second time. I've, I fell in love with it a little bit more. So, I'm totally happy with this 14, 14 nomination sweep. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you know, there's some... It's, it's not... It's a safe set of nominations I think I think there's not nothing too challenging there's nothing that was hugely surprising but there it's a good set of films I think the best mm. picture nominate nominees are all pretty strong I mean somebody said in the office the other day that the lowest empire have rated any of these best picture nominees is four stars so they're all good films um I think there are some notable snubs. Uh-huh. uh-huh. You think? Uh, I'm not going to say who, but it rhymes with this shmamey schmadams. I mean, can yeah. we just talk about that for a second? What the actual... <laughs> what happened there? Seriously. Like, I, I, like, what happened there? One can only assume that her own vote was split between Nocturnal Animals, which shouldn't have been nominated, and Arrival, which should have been. Mm. Um, I, I don't... I genuinely don't understand it otherwise. Um, that I think makes it, no sense to it's, me. It's maybe something to do with the Academy's love affair with Meryl Streep, who was bafflingly nominated for I mean, Florence she, Foster she's Jenkins. She's very good in Florence Foster Jenkins, but that is not a film that should be in this conversation. And obviously you all know, if you've listened to the pod from, what, two weeks ago, my view that um, Emma Stone should not have been nominated for La La Land, not because she's not delightful, but because there is no part there. Mm. So I would put Amy Adams into one of those <laughs> spots in a heartbeat I would actually also consider um, Kate Beckinsale for Love and Friendship which I think is a hugely underrated film that's been completely over, overlooked here um, and actually Chris emailed me to say can I can I please mention that he is outraged about Oscar snubs to Hunt for the Wilder People obviously Love and Friendship particularly for Tom Bennett as well mm. as Kate Beckinsale Daniel Radcliffe, he thinks, should be up for a Swiss Army Man, which was never going to happen, but I love your optimism. And Hugh Grant, because if we're nominating people for Florence Foster Jenkins, then he should be in there as well. So uh, I wouldn't massively disagree with any of that, except maybe some of it. And I believe Hugh Grant was uh, hotly tipped as well, according to Emma, who is our... Yeah, he'd been. I mean, he'd been nominated in a lot of the critics groups. Uh, He was obviously up at the Golden Globes. So yeah, that that was a bit of a surprise. I was also surprised, a couple of surprises, uh, animated feature film, uh, no nod for Finding Dory, no yes. nod for Your Name, controversially. Um, okay, Finding Dory should not have been on that list. Sorry, John. I'm come on, sorry, come John. on, come it's on. It's resoundingly average. You're it's, resoundingly average. <laughs> that may well be true, but it is not a great film. My whole thing with this is what really bugs me about animation is Zootropolis is clearly, oh, sorry, I'm going to call it Zootopia. Zootopia is clearly going to win and it shouldn't. It's very good. It, it is not worthy to polish Kubo's katana. I agree with that. 
but yes, uh, I don't know. I, I would personally be rooting for uh, Kubo. I, I was really interested actually as well to see that up for visual effects, yeah, uh, which is mm, I think fantastic because mm. it's a mix of stop motion and uh, and VFX around the edges, yeah. and it's wonderfully it done. Is glorious, um, isn't it? Like the end oh. credits when they show you the skeleton sequence. Like oh my goodness! And you're just like, I, I, these people are my gods. It's such an effective film. It's like Moana. Like Moana, like Nick and I argue about this because it was one of his favourite films of last year. Moana's great, but I think it's great because the music is amazing. I think the film itself is a little bit pedestrian. Which brings me neatly to best song. <laughs> what the hell is going on with best song? First of all, only one nomination for Lin-Manuel Miranda and Moana. I mean, there were three very eligible songs in that film and they should all be up there. Second of all, nothing for Sing Street. Are you kidding me? This is yeah. an outrage. I just, I cannot bear it. Um, What's and your pick for best song? Oh, it's probably going to be that stupid La La Land it City is. of Stars it is. nonsense. It really is. And, <laughs> and the fact is, that will stand in the way of Lin-Manuel Miranda's EGOT, at least for a year. And that is, that is not something that I am prepared to countenance. Uh, and also, it's just not that good a song. I'm sorry. Come on. I feel like I'm taking crazy oh. pills. No, you're really not. It isn't that good a song. It it's fine. No, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But all of the songs in Moana are better than it. <laughs> all of the songs, like by a substantial amount. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. Frankly, it should have been the track listing from Moana from top to bottom, <laughs> ending with Shiny, which should have won. Um, yeah, Shiny, you're you're welcome. I think should have should have been Shiny. nominated over How Far I'll Go. Really? I, I am Moana is actually one of my favourites on that. It's great because I, mean, I think it takes yeah. everything from where I'll go and makes it better. Yeah. So. It's too short, probably. Yeah, it is short. It's just, I just, and honestly, Sing Street, I mean, I was listening to some of that again today on the way in, and oh, what are you thinking? The thing with Sing Street, and I think the thing with a lot of these films, like Hunt for the World of People, like saw Victoria, it. it's, it, they're too small. They're too small, and, and you have to have, with a lot of these films, you need an awards budget, like part of the marketing is you yeah. actually need to send yeah. screeners to Academy voters. You need to put adverts in the trade papers. You need to make a big song and dance about it, and, and promote Promote no your pun. film as an awardsy sort of film, um, and it, Sing Street probably isn't in that realm. It's, it's unfortunately. Yeah. Now, I spoke to Phil the Groundhog yesterday, <laughs> by which I mean Emma. Emma is our Oscar prognosticator. Not that you're not, Helen. Not oh, that you're well, not, because you're very good at this stuff. Uh, Emma, Emma is a freak of nature and does kind of Oscars Moneyball, and she does She's this every like year. And it is alarming how accurate she is with a lot yeah. of this stuff. And like, she wrote down her list of what she thought the nominees would be, and she got maybe too wrong yeah. I mean it was stupid so <laughs> we have a, we have a list here of what we and by we I mean she uh, think will win should we just run through some of the big ones here and you sure. can tell me what you think so mm. picture she's saying La La Land Blah. Blah, I doubt. Yeah. Hooray. not wrong director she's saying herself La La Blah. Land Hooray. actor she's saying Casey Affleck I think that's a fairly decent he's, he's certainly been in the lead yeah. uh, Denzel may be making a, a late push there um, and if if more comes out about the or if more kind of builds yeah, up about, about the, the wholeness the that we probably shouldn't talk about allegations then, yeah. then Denzel could nip in yeah um, we're saying actress uh, Helen Closure is Emma Stone for La La Land I'm genuinely pulling for Natalie Portman who well, I think yeah. is extraordinary in Jackie I and, and I saw Elle yesterday and yeah. oh mm. my god she's incredible yeah and remember she picked up the Golden Globe I mean that's not yeah. a huge indicator but there is a big big wave for her at the moment I, I would like to see uh, I would be very very happy with Hooper and Nega or Portman mm -hmm. in that category it's a very strong category um, supporting actor we're saying Marshal Ali for Moonlight 
Yeah. Which I think is fair. Which is fair. Although I've, I'm really pleased to see Michael Shannon. I know you didn't like yeah. Eternal Animals. No, but, but I love I him. He was extraordinary in that film and uh, I, I would love to see him. He's one of the greats. Yeah. I'm very happy to see him in there. Yeah. And can we all agree on Viola Davis for Fences? Who on earth would quibble with Viola Davis for anything? That sounds absolutely fair, especially if you have read Ollie Richards' interview with her in the previous issue of Empire Magazine, which, to be fair, is a really great interview. And it's very important that I state here that has nothing to do with Ollie's ability as an interviewer, and it is entirely down to Viola (laughs) Davis being awesome. (laughs) You continue the worst, Yes, indeed. Uh, Original screenplay, uh, Manchester by the Sea. Uh, I would not argue with that. I think it's an extraordinary film. But that, again, that's a hu- that's an incredible category apart from La La Land. Mm. Um, Lobster, it's brilliant to see that nominated, but it's the nomination is the win in that case, yeah, I think. definitely. So, yeah. And then adapted screenplay, we're saying Moonlight again. Uh, I would... Ooh, that's a, that's a strong category, isn't it? Arrival, Fences, Hidden Figures, Lion and mm. Moonlight. That is, that is a heck of a category. Um... Probably Moonlight. I wouldn't rule out Arrival there. Which, by the way, didn't get nominated for visual effect and no less a personage than um, Paul Franklin, a.k.a. you know Christopher Nolan's visual effects guru. Uh, that was the one that shocked him mm-hmm. about, about that kind and, of and rightly so. And actually, yeah. that really wound me up because it made me think that there was a, a level of... There was a lack of education in understanding that category in that case because almost all the effects in that film are invisible. Not all of them, but most of them. Yeah. And if all you do is watch the kind of making of footage that shows the environmental suits, it should win for that. Like, I didn't believe that they weren't wearing those suits when I was told about that. I had to be shown the actual production footage of that. I was like, invisible effects are incredible. They are, yeah. But I think that's probably why Deepwater Horizon is up as well, because I yeah, think a lot of the yeah. effects there are um, invisible. Because they did build, essentially, an oil, t- oil rig for that film. Yeah. So everything then uh, around it is invisible. Animation. <laughs> Yay! No. Um, uh, editing La La Land. Probably. That's that's an important that, one, by yeah. the way, because uh, I think Emma said that, yeah. you know, you have to win editing yeah. to win Best Picture. Generally, you have to be nominated um, for editing to win Best Picture. Right, yes. Apart from, the, there was one exception in the last 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, but you have, to, you have to have a nomination and you usually, yes, have to win. So Not look out 100%. on the nights. If you, yeah. see them, if you see La La Land win editing, then it's probably going to have Good night. Cinematography, production design, score, costume, sound mixing, and song. Oh, la la la. I mean, <laughs> a, a costume actually is the one that sticks out there. I, I don't think they've enter- entirely nominated the best films this year. Where's Hail Caesar in that, that category, for example? Mm. Um, but I think Jackie's a better better costume mm, film there. Interesting. Why does makeup only have three? And, why is that a thing? And why does makeup have those nominees? Well, you know, that it, too. It's, uh, but why only. I don't understand. What, why are we discriminating against makeup? Is this. I don't know. It's, that strikes me as an odd one. Visual effects. Honestly, if the Jungle Book doesn't win, I'm walking out. I loved Doctor Strange's effects. I thought they were yeah. really artistic and gorgeous. Yeah, to be fair, I that's think a strong that, category. The most creative use of visual effects yeah. in Doctor Strange. Yeah. I thought yeah, it was the most. It was. It was something I'd not really seen with with CGI before, which I which is quite a rare thing to say. The Jungle Book, to me, though, was the film that showed me how far CGI had come. Like, I watched the film and I thought, I genuinely didn't think this was quite possible, mm. like, to look like this. I mean, it was like when we saw um, 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 uh, Rise, Dawn. Which, what's the second planet of the apes? Is it Dawn or Rise? I never get this right. Uh, dawn, 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 Dawn. Like that one, when I saw what they did yes. in situ in the forest, yeah. that was incredible. And this, to me, was like another one of those, oh, wow, moments that you really you normally only get with James Cameron movies, where you're just like, oh, we can do this now. <laughs> incredible. And gravity. 
Yeah, and Gravity, Gravity, was, yeah, Gravity yeah. was another one. Um, but yeah, for me, Jungle Book needs to win that. By the way, I'm uh, hosting the VFX Festival again this year in early February, and they're going to come along and do some breakdowns of how they did some of these films and I cannot wait mm, awesome. um, if anybody is out there is into VFX come along and have a look it's going to be amazing and beyond that the other ones we had down we um, Emma thought Star Trek Beyond is likely to win hair and makeup uh, and she thought Hacksaw Ridge would take sound editing yeah fingers crossed apparently and this really really bugged me so for score the uh, lack of arrivalness on there really rubbed me up the wrong mm-hmm. way but then someone pointed out that it might not be eligible due to reusing elements yes, yes apparently that's the, that's the problem with it um, I have to say I'm, I'm kind of hoping for uh, Mika Le- Levy there for Jackie Jackie okay. it has an incredible score I would really like to see that one win we should also just very briefly mention that Suicide Squad is now an oh, Oscar yes. nominated yeah. the Oscar nominated Suicide Squad and lest we forget the twice Oscar nominated passengers and I think we can all agree this redeems my four star review in full yeah, um, yeah I mean but you know Oscar nominee Norbert Norbert yeah, yeah. and Oscar winner 360 Mafia and Oscar winner Fisher Stevens just throwing so, that out so you know there's yeah there, there's room for all sorts within yes. the Oscar family <laughs> yes I suppose yes, um, but yeah the Oscar nominations uh, the Oscar ceremony will be held on uh, February 26th obviously Empire's crack team will be up all night live blogging the entire thing and uh, and going slightly insane from lack of sleep so you don't yes. have to mm-hmm. um, so uh, do look for, do, do look out for that we'll be keeping you up to date on all of the big award ceremonies between now and then um, we should probably move on to to sadder news now um, uh, the news broke last night as we record this that Mary Tyler Moore um, died at the age of 80 she was of course um, a, an Oscar nominee uh, star of films like Thoroughly Modern Millie and Order, Ordinary People which obviously got her her Oscar nomination she starred in David O. Russell's Flirting with Disaster as well but she was best known for her work on TV which was incredible she was kind of genre, genre and era defining on the Dick Van Dyke show first of all and then her own The Mary Tyler Moore show uh, set in a newsroom uh, kind of sitcom uh, with Ed Asner who paid tribute to her this week by saying that she turned him into a feminist um, I mean just there was an absolute flood and outpouring of love and respect to her in the wake of her death um, she basically has shaped the careers of virtually every woman working in television and film mm. um, as well as many of the men um, she redefined the era with that sitcom I, I saw loads of tributes last night about how well written it was and how incredibly well, structured it was. This is the thing, and when people put together their best TV lists, and I'm sure we've been guilty of it, and it's, oh, oh The Wire, oh, The Sopranos, it is generally held that The Mary Tyler Moore Show is one of the best TV shows ever made. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of younger people uh, don't necessarily appreciate it. It's that. hard to get in this country. Very I was, I was I looking for it, it like, Yeah, I was looking for it last um, night to watch some and I couldn't find it. So, mm. um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame that we can't... Hopefully it'll come on Netflix or something. Maybe in the wake of this there'll, there'll be a little bit of a, an upsurge. Uh, Netflix, if you're listening, please get on it. Um, but yeah, um, she was she was something of legend. Um, if you saw... I, I posted a clip on Twitter last night of um, Oprah's producers got Mary Tyler Moore in as a surprise to Oprah when she was talking about her. <laughs> and Oprah... Like basically burst into tears and couldn't speak for five minutes. That's the that's the level of fame and reverence that this woman had, um, and and all credit to her. So um, Mary Tyler Moore uh, died aged eighty. Also, Gordon Kay died this week. Gordon Kay, star of Hello Hello, which uh, again, I mean, it's you know, it's not it's not a, a, a big or a clever show, but it was so clever at the same time. Just. 
listen very carefully, I will say this all I want. I just know? hope that he was interred with the full of Madonna with the big boobies. <laughs> I mean, really, if he wasn't, then that was a missed yeah. opportunity. Um, yeah, with all respect to him, it, that was uh, definitely a career highlight for him. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, he, he will be much missed. What I always find funny with that, it's like you look at things like that and Fawlty Towers and stuff. And I mean, do they still get played on like UK Gold or is that even still a channel? Or is the massive casual racism something that maybe makes them less inclined to screen it? I don't know. <laughs> Oh, it's still there. Is it? I, yeah, I, I, I haven't so. seen it on TV in years. Well, uh, but I'm n- sure it has aged gracefully. Me too, but I can still quote most of the of lines course. from it, obviously. <laughs> what are you doing with that girl in your arms? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, right. Well, right. that was um, that was sad news. Uh, shall we? Shall we pick things up again yes. with the news that this is New Empire Week? It's New Empire Week. And. Like, I have to say, without wishing to blow my own trumpet... But you're going to. This is the Helen O'Hara issue of <laughs> things Helen O'Hara really, really likes of Empire Magazine. So we have uh, Hugh Jackman's... 20-page feature on Supernatural. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm fighting for that. That's going to be the 2018 issue right. of things With Helen really likes. quadruple fold-out Dean and Sam. Just Dean, thank spread. you. Spread. Uh, <laughs> First of all, we have our cover feature, which is Logan, uh, which is uh, Hugh Jackman and I. We just sat down to breakfast in a fancy hotel. It's just Hugh and I. That's the Hugh name of the feature, isn't it? Yeah, yeah basically. By Hugh Helen and I. O'Hara. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, we sat, he's, he's explained basically what he was thinking with this new film. Uh, we went to the edit bay in Los Angeles, where James Mangold showed us about 50 minutes of the film. Uh, it looks stunning, what I've seen already. I just hope that the rest of the film lives up to it, because I, I think if it does, we are looking at a, something really, really, really special. Um, and it, you also get to read how uh, Daphne King calls Hugh Jackman a massive C unit, and I think it's worth reading just for that. Yeah. <laughs> she does, in, in Spanish, because she's bilingual. So in things I didn't write, which is much better news for anyone sensible. Uh, we profile Christina Ricci who's returning to TV and that is extremely good news. Uh, we report on The Great Wall, the giant Chinese-American co-production that you've probably already heard a little bit about and it looks incredible. Um, Nick embeds himself in Kong <laughs> and that wasn't supposed to be an Ace Ventura gag. No, uh, he really does. He though. really does. Like Nick, Nick went to like three continents following this film around. He was in Vietnam, he was in New Zealand, he was in, where was the other place? I mean, Hawaii. Australia. I mean, he's, yeah. he, he was basically in the film he's just like basically, he was yeah. part of the crew there's some really um, good anecdotes as well oh it's amazing it's really like a travelogue and I mean I don't think anyone has ever got this kind of access so yeah. it's it, you will never ever read a Kong feature anywhere else like this yeah it's um, true so definitely definitely have a look definitely at that definitely look at that one and uh, we went back uh, we went over the Resident Evil series as number six uh, finally approaches uh, this is really really awesome by the way like people are going oh yeah Resident Evil whatever this this genuinely is amazing this is uh, this is Simon Crook talking to people about like the great moments from throughout this franchise and it is batshit crazy (laughs) it's brilliant um, that might be my favourite thing in the issue. I definitely. kind of, I mean, like, Resident Evil makes literally no sense, but I, <laughs> no. I kind of enjoy watching it just with my jaw dropped, going, what the hell is going well, you on? You see, I've never, ever seen a Resident Evil movie. Oh, you got to watch this. Just, I think I, it's, is it, the, is it the second or the third one where there's a line saying that the virus dried up the rivers? <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> it's, it's just like nothing else. Um, we've also got Lego Batman. Uh, yes, so we do. Will Arnett profiles all the other attempts at Batman that are less good than his. <laughs> um, 
Um, and, and then, and then, and then, we have a 24-page tribute to Carrie Fisher. I got to write about Princess Leia, which is another one of my favourite things. Um, but we have uh, tributes from people who knew her. We have uh, an ex- excerpt from her book, The Princess Diarist. Um, I, I will say, incidentally, if if have both of you read The Princess Diarist. Not yet. Uh, well, all, don't all the way through. Don't buy the audio book because she narrates the whole thing and she's just magnificent. Uh, it's definitely one that you want to listen to. Um, yes, yeah. amazing things in here. Dan Aykroyd wrote an incredibly, oh, incredibly God, it's touching tribute. I mean, it really was absolutely heartbreaking. The last line of that. It's um, really sweet though. What was his? What was her nickname for him? Was it like Turtle? Uh, uh, like uh, tuna neck. Tuna neck. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so sweet because they were, you know, briefly engaged at one point. They were, yeah. So, and then she left him for Paul Simon. Yeah, yeah. it's quite a story. Yeah, it is. And uh, we've also got some like gorgeous uh, pictures of her that you you probably haven't seen before. Yeah, I certainly yeah. hadn't seen all of those. Um, we've got a report on postcards from the edge uh, and her writing. Um, we've got her, uh, Carrie Fisher in her own words, because honestly, what's the point of having anybody else's? Um, so yeah, that's honestly, that's, that's really, really wonderful. It's a great tribute to her. Um, and just when you get into the, we also have all the other usual bits in the magazine, you know, the cinema reviews, the at-home reviews, where I got to talk to Taika Waititi about Hunt for the Wilder People. I told you it was my issue for of all my favourite things. It really is. Uh, and, uh, you know, first looks here at Journey's End. We've got a uh, look at Personal Shopper. We've got just Chips. I mean, I think we're all excited about that one. The Love Witch, which you really need to know more about. A little film called Justice League. I, I, I don't know if anybody one? would have heard of that. I don't it's, know if it's worth it's mentioning. It's just very low-budget indie that's trying to... Oh, it's got that, that superhero uh, with a trident. What's his name? Uh, Tuna Neck. <laughs> <laughs> Also, Sally Hughes talks about Star Wars, which Mm. is definitely worth reading. Yeah, so honestly, uh, even if we do say so ourselves, this is a seriously good issue, and you should pick it up. It's a good one. Okay, it's time now to uh, review this week's films. Uh, This is a huge week for cinema. It's really, really big. Uh, Where shall we start? start, Given that we had Taron on earlier in the show, shall we start with Sing? So this is from last week's pod host Gareth Jennings uh, directing. It is uh, an animated film set in a city where... Animals live, basically, so a little bit Zootropolis in that sense, but only in that sense. And it is the story of a theatre owner called Buster Moon. He's a koala voiced by Matthew McConaughey, which is just not a <laughs> sentence you hear often enough. Um, and he's on his he's on his uppers. He's desperate to make some money, and he comes up with the idea of a singing competition. So then we get to meet the the wannabes, the the the, the hopeful contestants who come to join this singing competition. We've got Reese Witherspoon as an overworked pig with 25 children. Um, we have Taron Edgerton, as you heard, as a gorilla belonging to a, a criminal family who just wants to sing. Um, we have just uh, we have an elephant who's so shy that she's not sure she can she can really sing in front of an audience, but who has the voice of an angel and also of Jennifer Hudson, uh, which is <laughs> which is pretty much a synonym. Um, and uh, and yeah, and it's just sort of their their stories. It's madcap. It's funny. It's charming. Um, I think it suffers a little bit by comparison to Zootopia just because Zootopia was so clever about what it would be like to live in a city with all of these creatures of all of these different sizes. And this doesn't bother with any of that nonsense. For the most part, yeah, I think uh, I think it was Neil Olcott, the Incredible Suit, uh, maybe tweeted or I saw some somewhere maybe on Letterbox that he said, "I wonder if the people who made this movie went and saw Zootropolis halfway through and thought, ah, oh, damn it." <laughs> 
because it is it it is very similar. And I think Zootropolis does it in a slightly cleverer way. Like it creates this world of of mammals, yeah. uh, which is you know a, a sort of city designed for animals, a bit cleverer and a bit more interesting. Yeah, whereas Sing, this, Sing doesn't really go into that. I mean, this would not be substantially different if they were all people yes yeah Yeah. it doesn't they they don't really make as much of a thing out of the animals they just are because it's cute because it's cute and it is charming it it is is super charming hashtag merchandising (laughs) (laughs) oh so cynical um but yeah it's uh it's it's really really charming Uh, the the music is is great as you would expect um some some interesting songs in there as well as all the pop hits yes which 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 garth talked about last week um and we gave this Four stars. All right, let's go on to the big sequel of the week, T2 Trainspotting. Uh, 21 years, because it took them a while to edit it, um, and they had to shuffle around filming schedules. 21 years after the original, uh, we rejoin the Trainspotting gang. Renton, um, often now addresses by his first name, which is confusing, Mark, um, has been living in Amsterdam uh, and comes back to visit the old... The old stomping ground where we reconnect with uh, Spud, Ewan, McGregor, Ewan Bremer, who's still kind of struggling with addiction. Uh, still struggling taking to get his... pleasure in other people's leisure. <laughs> well, that's very good. Thank you. For you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Simon, aka Sick Boy, who is uh, running a, a failing pub and also has a nice sideline in blackmail. Uh, meanwhile, Begbie has been in prison for pretty much the whole of the last 20 years but he's about to escape. Spoiler. So, uh, so what do we think of this one? I really enjoyed this, actually. I think there's there's a huge... It's funny, there's a lot of films coming around, out about this time which have a similar sort of thing, revisiting old franchises from mm. 10 or 20 years on. And there's something a bit Force Awakens about this film in a weird sort of way. Yes, that's fair. Do you know what the I mean? The Smack like, Awakens. The Smack Awakens. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's a film which is... Um, very much sort of enamoured with its own mythology Mm. and it's aware that it uh, it has a bit of a cultural status you know that 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 these characters have become quite enduring and that people know the original film quite well Um, and so it does play on that a little bit and you know there are moments which I think you could describe as fan service Mm -hmm. but I think it's also quite clever about it uh, in some ways and I think it works what's interesting is these characters are also kind of enamoured with their own mythology Mm. and so that sort of plays into this narrative that they are sort of pining for their youth for this sort of the the more carefree days when they didn't have the worries that, that middle age brings yeah. i guess and also they're they're um yeah i think that that's i think that's entirely true i think they're they're uh they're pining for the youth and trying to figure out what they are now mm. that they're not young guys with nothing to lose um i i agree that it plays on its its own past i think i think it does so too much for me i think you know there were not just story callbacks and flashbacks but there are you know visual callbacks all over the place in Mm. terms of like shots and poses and effects and everything else and i just felt like a lot of what we loved about train spotting back in 1996 and the reason that all of us all of us an entire generation had the poster on our walls mm. and the soundtrack in our cd collection is that it felt new and fresh and different and unlike anything we'd seen before and yep. this one is is so concerned with paying homage to the original sometimes that it forgets to bring us that influx of something new and we know Danny Boyle still has it in him it's not like he's played that out mm. so that was that was my major sort of 
uh, hesitation with it. Like I wanted just something a little bit more than this was. And maybe that's unfair. Maybe it's unfair to expect that of a film 20 years on with the same characters. I, I think, honestly, I think the, the, the issue is, is the same thing that we have in that the filmmakers are not immune to that same sort of like fuzzy, hygge feeling, nostalgia that we are like I you know when when these things are revisited these things from my childhood from my teenage years or in this case from when I was at university hashtag old um, I, uh, I you know I get all warm and fuzzy thinking about it and I think these guys too a lot of them haven't seen each other in ages haven't worked with each other in ages mm. you know Danny Boyle and Ewan McGregor certainly haven't and you know you do kind of regress a little bit and you want to relive the old times that's where you end up with in the same way The Force Awakens was kind of a greatest hits package they're trying to hit all the emotional and thematic touchstones to resonate with the audience that loved it the first time but weirdly maybe possibly missing the point as you say of why they loved it the first time Mm. but but it is emotional I mean there is there, there is something quite amazing about how sad this film is it's kind of heartbreaking you know none of these characters are in a great place when we meet yeah. them again and they are still making terrible decisions <laughs> and I mean there's it's got a sort of melancholy about it mixed with that same quite crude anarchic sense I mean that there is maybe the most disgusting uh, suicide attempts I've ever seen on film which oh, yeah. re- really has to be seen to be believed but even that, and I'm not going to spoil exactly what I mean by this, but even that is a bit of a callback to the original. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I felt like even that was a bit, okay, I've, yeah, you've done this already. Do something yeah. else. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, sometimes it, it worked really wittily. So, you know, you, the original film obviously sh- uh, started with Ewan McGregor pelting it down a street, trying to escape security guards. Uh, this one opens with him pelting on a treadmill. That's funny. That's clever. That yeah. shows the passage of time. Um, but I, you know, there, there was so much of that kind of piled up. But great performances, I think, from all of them. Yeah. Um, Ewan McGregor was worried about getting a Scottish accent back, but he did, obviously. Yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, it is it is not a bad film. So this is three stars for T Two Train Spotting. All right. Next up, Mel Gibson's return to Hollywood's good graces. The Gibson Gib Gibsonnessence. The Gibsonnessence. Gib the the Gibsonnessence. Uh-huh. The the uh, the uh, doesn't really work, does yeah. it? Gibsonnessence. The Gibbs erection. The Gib- Mel Turn. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to work. No. Um, it is the return of Mel Gibson, however, with Hacksaw Ridge, which is the uh, based on true life story of Desmond Doss, who was the first conscientious objector to win the Medal of Honor. Um, this is not a spoiler. This is history. Um, in World War II, despite being uh, a devout Seventh-day Adventist um, and refusing to touch a weapon, he volunteered for the U.S. Army and was sent to Okinawa, where he took place part in the Battle of Hacksaw Ridge. Um, uh, he wanted to be a combat medic. He still had to go through basic training. He refused to carry or touch a gun during basic training, which resulted in the army's attempts to court-martial him, uh, never mind uh, letting him serve. Uh, and when he got to the war, he distinguished himself heroically, basically. Uh, he's played by Andrew Garfield with um, Hugo Weaving as his father. Um, support from Vince Vaughn, Sam Worthington and more. Um what did you think of this, John? I liked it a lot. It's a really impressive piece of work. I mean, uh, we know that Mel Gibson can direct the hell out of a movie, and he really does. He's quite a classical, old-fashioned sort of filmmaker. He directs things in a very, in a, in a sometimes quite broad way. I mean, this this film is a, a film of two halves. It's kind of 
quite similar to Full Metal Jacket in that the first mm. half is about yeah. the training camp and him sort of coming to terms with his military service and also a sort of history of violence in his family and yeah. you know of confronting that and, and his and his faith and then the second half we, we move into World War Two and into Okinawa and the heroics that come from that and it is it's, it's big broad sweeping cinematic you know stuff and I think in the first half that feels a little bit cheesy for me there's mm-hmm. some sort of slightly saccharine moments where he's courting a lady which I'm not sure was maybe necessary yeah um, but some of the stuff in the in in the boot camp is really strong and I think there's some really good like meaty moral quandaries that you, you, you can get your teeth into yeah I think it's a real risk, that structure. I mean, I, yes. I guess that the story demands it, but, um, you know, Kubrick did it really well. Mm-hmm. And and I think Full Metal Jacket is, a, Jacket is a more subtle and a more... I, I mean, it's a better film. This is not... We should not say this isn't good, but it, it, that's a better film. And therefore, you're kind of setting yourself up for comparisons that are hard to live up to, I think, with that structure. I agree with you. I mean, this is... This is Mel Gibson in sort of Braveheart mode. Yes. I mean, he is really good at that. This sort of epic, broad strokes, um, quite old-fashioned Hollywood yeah. biopic. I think, and that's that's sort of the approach he's taken here. It's probably a little bit more historically accurate than Braveheart was, but then you know, so is this podcast. I mean, like <laughs> seriously. So um, I did feel that the uh, the strokes could have been slightly less broad at times. I, I agree. I think there are moments where it feels like you're being sledgehammered with messages. I mean, um, you know, the, the final act of heroism as Desmond Doss saves all these people mm. from the battlefield. Um, you know, he's painted in such a sort of Christ-like way. There was a literal Christ pose at one point. Yes. I was like, dude, we get it. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. And it, I, mean, I mean, they really, really ram home the point that he is a hero. You are under absolutely no doubt. Um, and you, you could you could just do with maybe a little bit more subtlety in mm. the approach in some places. But it's it's an extraordinary piece of work. And, you know, we've seen war depicted on on film so many times, but it's still quite extraordinary. Yeah. Um, the, the, the way that they shoot some of these battles, yeah. uh, it's brutal and visceral and shocking. Yeah, it is, it is very, very, very very effective in the war scenes. Um, we should also say, I mean, Andrew Garfield is great oh my goodness, uh, in, yeah. in the main role. Um, some of the accents around him sometimes slip. I mean, you can tell this was shot in Australia uh, <laughs> and that they're all playing Alabamans. But um, but but he he's really committed. He he absolutely sticks to it. It's a, it's a fascinating thing as well, just to contemplate. He's been nominated for Best Actor, obviously, for this performance and not for Silence. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting because for me, Silence is actually the the tougher performance and the and probably by a nose the better film but um but it's interesting that both films are entirely about Andrew Garfield's faith yes uh, but coming at it from completely different angles yeah. and I think that's a, that's a really inter- it's a really interesting double bill that way once, yeah, right. once these two come out on DVD or something yeah. that's fascinating but we gave this uh, four stars so Hacksaw Ridge four stars that is a recommendation and it does appear that Mel Gibson is back 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 there are two other films this week uh, which we should talk about fairly quickly because I realise we're running out of time Uh, Christine stars Rebecca Hall um, as the news anchor Christine Chubok who uh, killed herself live on television Uh, this is a true story it happened in 1974. It's one of two films about this this incident that are sort of coming out at the moment. Uh, Kate Plays Christine is due out, I think, here later this year, I believe. But this one sees uh, Rebecca Hall um, as the reporter herself. Um, she's kind of 
struggling in her personal life. She's envious of her mo- mother's new romance. She's uh, has a, a sort of unrequited love for her, uh, her fellow anchorman George Ryan, who's played by Michael C. Hall. No relation, um, and uh, and she's also just more and more upset by the way that her. Her, her news station is going basically they're they're prioritizing lurid sensation over real news she's feeling unappreciated as a journalist i mean this is not something that anyone nowadays can relate to of course <laughs> um but it just builds and builds and builds to obviously the tragedy that i mean it, it can't be a spoiler to say that because she is known for that one reason um so it's a, it's a really incredible performance from Rebecca Hall genuinely it's um, I don't know if this wasn't eligible for this year's Oscars or if it just was overlooked because it's a small film but honestly phenomenal performance from her uh, drawn out by director Antonio Campos Um, and it's it's a very thoughtful film actually it's worth a look it's it it takes in sort of issues of of sexism and journalism and integrity and you know depression and loss uh that are still incredibly relevant and so we give this four stars um also at this week which i certainly haven't seen have you seen it is denial which I'm afraid I haven't seen yet. We give this one three stars. Um, great cast, Timothy Spall, Rachel Weisz, uh, in the story of a Holocaust-denying author, played by Spall, who sued the Jewish academic who accused him of uh, being anti-Semitic. And she was forced to prove the existence of the Holocaust in court. Um, so fascinating, meaty stuff, but uh, perhaps a little bit small screen. I remember when this happened. Yeah, me too. Mm. Um, this, this only got three stars. But that is a recommendation. So it's a heck of a week for film indeed all right that's it for this week's podcast uh join us next week for more film related fun when uh, we will be joined by matthew mcconaughey to all talk right, about all goals. right all right that's what i was gonna oh, say you stole my line <laughs> oh. um, to be fair it was incredibly first base for both of you it was whoa, whoa, <laughs> the most whoa, obvious whoa. just keep living james just keep living yeah until then it's goodbye from james the last jedi that's what you must now call me no and it's goodbye from John goodbye and it's goodbye from me I'm off to join a march against the best song category do you hear the people sing street (laughs) oh god singing the rest of Moana (laughs) it's gonna happen I'm telling you see you guys (laughs) 